I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. G'day. Welcome to the National Security Podcast. I'm Chris Farnham and this pod is brought to you by Policy Forum Net, in collaboration with the National Security College. And here today, I have one of my colleagues, Professor Matt Sussex, who is the Director of Academic at the National Security College. You probably heard me talking about him in our most recent podcast, where we discussed weaponized narratives with Chris Sapone. Matt was the, the co-author of that report with Chris. And today we're doing a NatSec pod extra where we are going to look at what on earth just happened in Helsinki. Matt has spent his professional career looking at Russia's foreign policy and security policy and geopolitics of Eurasia. And so we're here to basically ask WTF Matt, what on earth just happened? And thanks for coming to the podcast, by the way. Thanks a lot, Chris. Good to be here. Um, To be honest, uh, in many respects, your guess is as good as mine in terms of Helsinki. Uh, Normally, when there is a summit like this, and it was described as a summit, you would expect a fairly detailed agenda uh, and some fairly specific things that each party is trying to get out of it. Uh, What we saw, in fact, was a a sort of fireside chat uh, with no real agenda uh, and no real knowledge of what transpired in the leaders' meeting between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin, mainly because aides weren't in the room. It was only translators. Uh, And that's a bit problematic if you're trying to assess outcomes of a meeting because, uh, effectively, uh, both Trump and Putin can can make up uh, their own own lines about what was and what was not agreed. It's very interesting that the Russian Ministry of Defense uh, last night uh, tweeted that it was looking forward to putting in motion uh, the things that were agreed to between Putin and Trump. Uh, and we've had absolutely no word on what those might be at all. All right, so what's your best guess? Did they actually make up uh, some kind of agreement or is uh, are the Russians just taking a swing at it? Look, I think uh, an opportunity like this um, in terms of the, the Russian Federation's foreign policy goals um, is too good to pass up. Uh, and uh, they're probably after some things that were both general and specific. Um, if you were Vladimir Putin, you would want to uh, tie Trump to a commitment that it's very that is very hard for him to walk back and very hard for future American administrations to walk back. Sorry, um, just just to clarify, did, when you said that they would want to, did you mean they would or wouldn't want to? Uh, would and wouldn't uh, effectively mean the same thing at the moment. Apparently so. <laughs> That's right. I, honestly, I, I I wouldn't allow a ten year old kid to get away with an excuse like that. In it it it's I struggle to see how a lot of 
Trump's base can continue to have faith in the man when they wouldn't accept an excuse from their own children like that as well. So it's, it's pardon the term, but he's almost taken the piss here. And and when when we look at the situation, how he basically through his own intelligence organisations on the bus. I mean, like, you've got a long history in the GRU and Illuminati and other such civil society groups. So how do you think that the US intelligence community will now work under a president that does these kind of things with, with, with a, a well-known opponent? Well, the IC uh, in the United States has known that Trump is no friend uh, of theirs. Um, and his comments in Helsinki went down with them or must have gone down with them a bit like a fish milkshake. Um uh, if you were working for the CIA or the NSA, it would be very difficult to turn up to work every day knowing what you know about the level of Russian interference in the US election and to have your commander-in-chief side with the leader of the country that is, is spearheading this interference would have to be very galling. It would be a demoralizing thing to be um, working in the American uh, intelligence community. And I think probably uh, a motivator to uh, try and ensure that the record is uh, is set right. So I'm not sure that necessarily this is going to help Trump in the long term with his own security and intelligence community basically turned against him. Well, and it's not just his own intelligence and security community. We're seeing in the news now that apparently um, Trump and Putin talked about bringing ex-ambassador, former ambassador Michael McFall over to Russia to be questioned. Or questioned on what? I'm not quite sure. Maybe you can tell me. And this is supposed to be an exchange for or um, allowing the FBI and, and Mueller to come in and spectate while the Russians interrogate their own people about hacking, like that there's, anyone's going to believe any of the questions that are asked or they've even got the right people in the room. I mean, like, is this a circus? How is the, the people that work for State Department and all the other ambassadors, how are they going to view that, that he even entertained the, this option? Oh, look, it absolutely is a circus um, and neither is going to happen. Um, the United States is not going to send Michael McFowell to uh, to to Moscow to be questioned. So, so, so why didn't he just say no straight away? And why hasn't he come out strongly and say, we do not send our people well, to be interrogated by foreign nations? Well, it's effectively part of uh, Trump's deep state approach, isn't it? It's uh, looking at those who are strong critics, and McFaul is a very strong critic of the Trump administration. Absolutely. Um, and uh, it's effectively him saying that you're on notice. I might do things like send former ambassadors off to be uh, to be questioned by uh, by the GRU or the FSB. Um, but more than that, uh, this is this is... Uh, the indictment of uh, 12 GRU operatives by the Mueller investigation um, isn't designed to get these people to trial. There's no extradition treaty between the United States and Russia. Uh, there is no chance that these people will ever find themselves in the dock. Uh, what it does do is it sends a message to Moscow that says uh, we can identify by name and by job and by uh, activity what these people did in respect to interference in the United States. Uh, and it sends a message to, to uh, the Russians that says, well, if they know that much, what else do they know? Um, and it's rare in the intelligence community that you see that kind of telegraphing. Um, but I think there was a strong political message behind it. 
to Russia. In addition, there was a strong political message to it, uh, behind it to uh, Donald Trump, which is exactly the, the, the same message. If we know this, if we can find this out, uh, what else do we know? Yeah, they also did the same thing with the Chinese. They indicted a number of the people from the PLA who had been accused of, of hacking hacking uh, the US secrets and so on as well. So this is, as you said, it's it's a card that they play when things are really getting serious. Now, let's, let's raise the altitude as high as possible and ask... What is the relationship between Trump and Putin? I I hesitate to think that the president of the US could actually be beholden to compromise or something like that. Um, And I have been trying to tell myself that the only reason why Trump is refusing to acknowledge or give much credence to the fact that the elections were hacked is because then that undermines his own victory. However, if we look at what Trump was saying in the lead up to the presidential election, he was still trying to give Russia a pass on the shooting down of MH17. So it's not just about defending um, his election victory. I mean, at this point, you really do have to entertain the absurd notion that the Russians do have something on him. And is this linked to him not releasing his finances? I mean, like, I've got no answer, and hopefully you can give me some insight into this. Well, look, all, all we've got is speculation, but it's very strong speculation. Uh, speculation about deals being done over properties in the United States involving the purchase of apartments by Russians with cold, hard cash um, and uh, paying way above the odds for it. Uh, we have, of course, the ongoing uh, speculation about the steel dossier uh, and and, uh, and the Ritz-Carlton uh, in Moscow, uh, but plenty of links in the past between the Trump family and the Trump organisation uh, and uh, those in Russia who have connections to easy finance, uh, but easy finance that doesn't necessarily, that has different types of strings to simply going to a bank. Uh, now, look, I mean, I started off when uh, Trump was elected and a lot of these rumours were circulating saying, well, no, let's not engage in fake news. Let's make it evidence-based. Let's wait. Uh, unfortunately, Unfortunately, we're still in the uh, position where there is a lot of circumstantial evidence, but nothing yet to connect it completely to, to Trump. His behaviour, though, is not one of someone who seems uh, to want to stand up for the goals of American foreign policy. It seems to be the behaviour of someone who wants to stand up for his own personal interests. And I think that's the thing about Trump, uh, that for the very first time in, in recent memory or in living memory, even, we've got an American president who believes that his own personal fortunes and his own personal successes and failures are reflective of the American people. So when Trump Trump succeeds or says he can succeed, it's a great triumph for America. When he's criticised, it's a deliberate slur on America. Uh, and this is why a lot of political scientists are, are talking about the authoritarian tendency and streak within within Trump the individual. And I think it's gone from the point Helsinki demonstrated that uh, Trump was uh, is, is more than just incompetent. Uh, I think he is now actively dangerous. I, I couldn't agree more. And I try not to be shrill or try not to jump to conclusions. Um, but in the field that we work in, when we when we look at trends and shocks and so on, um, we are seeing Trump take a hold of a trend of populism. And that it worries me that this is not an actual shock and that this is the future we're moving in. And as an alliance partner of the US, um, it's very public that the Australia is really starting to consider where we stand within the US alliance network. Do we need to start hedging? Where do we go from here? Can we trust the US? So these these are 
quite anxious times for us and I thank you for coming in and having a quick chat to us today Matt really appreciate your insights and we will be coming back to you soon with our regular programming at the National Security Podcast. Thank you.